Welcome everybody once again to the Low Key Podcast. I am very, very excited to bring to you today a very special topic about pandering in Hollywood. With us today, we have as always, Mr. Keith. Danny, how you doing out there in Texas, sir? Good, good. How's it going? We're all right, all right. And also we got Tim Malloy coming out of lovely Hollywood. How's it going? Pandering in Hollywood. How are you doing? Well, much better now that you're pandering. And also coming out of Tennessee, myself, Aaron, and today we have a special guest, my lovely wife, Sarah. Yay! Woo! Screw, screw, theater nerd. Uh, <laughs> and we actually had a lot of cool topics we could have talked about. And as we were kind of talking about what might be interesting, the news of uh, Lashana Lynch's new role in the 007 franchise came out. She has been tentatively um, or rumored to be, I don't know what we want to call it right now. Um, she is set to be the next Bond. Well, excuse me, next 007. I keep saying Bond. Jeez. Um, and so the Daily Mail started this rumor. It is seemingly substantiated by many uh, outlets, but not yet confirmed. But we haven't heard any denial from the franchise creators. So from here on out, we're going to discuss it as if it's a thing that's going to be taking place and what that might mean going forward, not only for the 007 franchise, but just for cinema and, and global entertainment in general. It, does this signal a trend and where things could be going? Is it pandering? And is pandering necessarily a bad thing? I, I want to just jump in and say real quick that the, the Daily Mail is the worst newspaper in the entire world. Um, wow. They just they just pick up a lot of stuff from other sources and don't properly credit them. I've had articles that I wrote that the Daily Mail took and didn't give any credit to and sort of insinuated that they'd spoken to sources they definitely hadn't spoken to and things like that. So they kind of suck. Um, but And they've also gotten picked up by people who probably didn't do that much checking in some cases. But the place where I work, we did check. Uh, the producers of the Bond movie will not say anything. So Aaron's right. They haven't denied it but they also haven't confirmed it. I would like to jump in and say as a uh, somewhat veteran of the film industry, even though I am, probably can't be considered that. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that I am and just leave it at that and say... You worked in film. Yes. I did work in film. So yes, it's fine to say that. All right, but I was just wardrobe. So anyway, I would just say that anybody can have a rumor about being casted, but until they come out and confirm... They could have like a spoken word agreement, but the contract falls through or they don't test well with audiences and they recast. So um, wait a minute. So right now it's just a rumor to feel out how the public feels about this this actress. Well, okay. I don't is the question whether or not she's cast or whether or not she's 007. I think those are two different questions. I right? think the question should be, is it truly pandering when we all want Idris Elba to be bond? Why? <laughs> I understand, and I have nothing against her, but, like, it's Driss all the way. Like, why can't we have Idris Elba as Bond? Everybody has been against him as Bond and for him at the same time. He has so much traction. Why wouldn't we do this? Let me do the case against oh. Idris real quick, even though I love me some Idris, right? So, um, <laughs> most of the time... When you're having somebody take on... Okay, let's look at, for example... This is not the same thing at all. But Robert Downey Jr. just finished his um, his stint as Tony Stark 
franchises like that kind of require an actor to have a commitment of, you know, however many movies, however many years for that franchise. I'm not even sure Idris is interested in, in playing a character, even that iconic for several movies over. I mean, even Daniel Craig was interested in leaving after a couple. And I think they probably want somebody who really wants that role, wants to be present in it for a bit and really kind of entrench themselves in it for the you know next decade or so. I feel like Daniel Craig only did like three movies. He did so... four. And this is the fifth, right? Yeah. Oh, Casino Royale. That was so good back in the day. Mm-hmm. So the question is... Good book, uh, too. Uh, the question is, I think, are they kind of throwing audiences a bone by saying hey, here's a black female, 007, you're not going to get a black James Bond. Is that the question? Well, you're not going to get a black male James Bond. Maybe to pacify the alt-right movement that's moving across okay, well, well, the Western but, but, world Do, do right you now? mean to egg them on? Because it's not pacifying them. That'd be the opposite I of I think they're trying them. to find a happy middle ground. Am I reading too much into this? Maybe we should bypass this subject. No, I, Look, that, this that's is all a great point. The so, I mean, like, with the middle ground always be, because I noticed a certain trend in Hollywood where you can have a, a black female in certain roles, but you can't put a black male in the same type of role. I think I think it's, hey, we want to pacify the left, so here's a black female 007 who might also be gay. And, and to pacify the right, she's not James Bond. <laughs> no, but they they're gonna be pissed anyway because it's not. I mean, the it's gonna be somebody who's not James Bond, like yeah. But still, but still taking on the double O nine, which yeah, means some people were pissed at Blonde Bond. Period. Yeah, I didn't like that. Hey, well, Daniel Craig killed that though. He was his own Bond, which I appreciate. But as a Sean Connery lover. Even though he was a horrible human who beat women like incessantly, um, he was a super suave and hella sexy Bond. He was the best Bond. Great Bond, bad relationships with women. I'm right there with you. And also in Bond, he would smack the crap out of them. So like that that was just him. that That was Sean Connery. I don't know why I'm the only one that liked Pierce Bronson. I like Chris Bond. He was good. I, mean, I love Golden Eye. He's my second favorite. Okay, the problem is a lot of the movies surrounding Golden Eye aren't that great. I would say Chris is better than Pierce Brosnan by far, but he's not Sean Connery. I mean, let's put like Pierce had the best tools though, the best, the coolest tools as a Bond. He really did have a lot. His money pin was great too. He he had an invisible car. So like, you know, I think we can just end it right there. That, that's that's the well, bond. They should have called him Inspector Gadget Bond, I guess. <laughs> he did have all the gadgets. He did not have the best titles. I mean, anytime you got a bond and got octopus, that that just ended. I mean, like, we can we can do some bond stuff back and forth. But in general, uh, just going back to the idea of pandering and, and how that works, I mean, I don't know really who the who this casting is for i mean i don't have an issue with it i mean you know i remember initially for example thinking back on the idea of pandering in in like black people in roles when we go back to comic books and we look at 
the ultimate universe where Marvel would say, okay, we're going to try all these new things out. So we have the 616 normal universe, and then we'll do the ultimate universe, try out all kind of cool stuff. So in that universe, Peter Parker dies to Norman Osborn as a Green Goblin in Queens in front of his Aunt May's house. And then that black Hispanic kid gets bitten. And I'm like, man, I don't know. This is kind of weird. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. And I was like, hey, we'll see where this goes. It ended up being Miles Morales. And it ended up being a really great Spider-Man who became most recently the hero now known as Miles Morales in the Spider-Verse movies. The one that everybody's like, oh, this is such a great Spider-Man. Now, at the time, people saw that, oh, this is pandering. They're just making up a minority Spider-Man just for the heck of it. But that ended up being a character with um, a lot of really cool traits who had his own great origin and, and his own things about him that made him Spider-Man and made it where everybody could wear the mask kind of thing. That's a writing thing, though. So. Yeah, but, but, but what I'm getting at is anything can look like pandering on its face. Like, if I just tell you Black Spider-Man before we saw this instance of it, like, when it, the initial response from the combo community was, what the hell is this? This is weird. Like, why are we even doing this? Why is there a Black Spider-Man? Like, what's the point of this? And then they wrote stuff out for him, and he has his own tragic backstory. I'm not going to spoil the stuff that happened there, but it was really awesome. It's different from what happens in the comics, but it's really well done. And... Who knows what's going to happen with Lashana Lynch becoming 007? I mean, there's a lot of potential there. And I don't know where they might, you know, decide to go with that. But it is a situation where we kind of have to see how they handle it. And, you know, we're talking about, oh, they're trying to pacify this or that group. But maybe they handle it in a way that makes sense. I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. The reason why I say that, because the Spider-Man thing is, to me, completely different. Like, James Bond is, a big part of who he is, is, like, being, like, the suave gentleman slash killer slash lady man type of dude. And it's like, I think if you replace it and you try to put a woman into the same role, it would it will come off differently. But, but, but M has always been annoyed, well, at least in these most recent set of the parts of the franchise with the way he handled things. And he's been very impulsive and it's led to a lot of very destructive things. And the next 007, you know, you would think would try to handle things differently. They they might have their own issues too, but might try to handle it different. And I wonder how they would handle that. If they, like, if we actually see a 007 hand over that legacy, we have not, witnessed that in this franchise yet at least in the movies i don't know if that happens in the books or not it's just i don't know i just don't think it'll it'll work because it's kind of like part of what makes 007 007 is who he is as a masculine character like with spider-man on one end anybody could wear the mask it's more about the integrity and it's more about the whole um with great power come responsibility whole thing and so like anybody can be a person that steps up into that role no matter like what background they come from or whatever. But with James Bond, I think a big part of his caricature is being that, that gentleman British man, like even Daniel Craig. Yeah. He's a different James Bond, but he still like gives off that same type of energy that that character has throughout all of these decades. I think it's funny that the on-screen Bond and Spider-Man come out at about the same time in the early 60s. And I feel like the main difference between them, besides superpowers and all that and national origin, Spider-Man is definitely a role model and somebody who the audience can relate to, especially the 
kids who were reading it back in the 60s. And James Bond is totally not a role model. Like, I think James Bond is more of an antihero. And right. I, people have said pretty, as, for as far back as I can remember, I can remember being 10 years old and reading, you know, James Bond is a misogynist, and that's part of what makes him an interesting character. He's not necessarily a good guy, but it's interesting to watch him and to sort of see where his line is. Um, but I don't think you can really model your life in James Bond. He's not going to have a good life. He's not going to have healthy <laughs> human interactions with anybody. I disagree. Um, honestly, I really feel like James Bond was a hero for the man of the 60s, especially the white man of the 60s. Um, he wasn't just a misogynist. He was super clever. Um, whenever he was in a tight spot, he always knew how to get himself out by brains and brawn. And, uh, he had gadgets in books. So that was cool. Everybody wanted the latest tech. I mean, we're coming off of the fifties where everybody's rolling out like new cool things, new refrigerators, new cars, new, uh, washer dryer sets, new like TVs that come out of your cabinet and stuff like that. Um, I mean, they were really into that kind of thing and stealth stuff. So he was that kind of, he was a hero for those people of that time, but for adults and children alike, unfortunately. But, um, I can see how, framed into day's lens he is an anti-hero or he's not even like he's kind of just a bad dude who does cool stuff cool spy stuff this is gonna sound weird when i say it but this is almost kind of how i feel like the conversation around hopper and stranger things changed yeah like in this season people were like hopper's so mad and he's so mean to joyce and blah 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 and i'm like hopper's been like this for three seasons like what are you talking about like well, he, he's he been that just, guy he was actually he came off to me framed in this lens like we'd have to look at him in the lens of that time and he comes off as sort of a no nonsense gruff mcgruff like miami vicey mm -hmm. type of cop and that's what we're supposed to think, not just with the costumes and stuff like that, but he also came off as like an aggressor, as like a, he keeps L imprisoned and he's really aggressive and he imposes his will on literally everyone. He's and so everything. mean to Mike. And I was like, man, Mike is being a, a jerk Mike who's trying to get to dick, third yeah. base. And he was also <laughs> controlling. Anyway, look, I, ain't, I ain't gonna go deep into that. All I'm saying my, is my, people... People went from loving Hopper to being like, look how mean he is. And I'm like, he, that's the same dude. Like, it's, it's just feel like our, the way we look at the world changed some. And so it's like if people look to season one, I guess they feel the same way about Hopper. But he was the same guy. It's not the same guy. But well, anyway, Tim. We can all we can all like and enjoy stories about people we don't necessarily like. I mean, James Bond can be super entertaining because he's not as bad as the people he's fighting. He's just like the better of the two imperfect people. I mean, one of my favorite books, I think a hilarious book, is American Psycho. That dude is not by any means, like, <laughs> a good character. Like, it's entertaining to see how awful he is. I mean, Anthony Jeselnik is a great comedian because he plays the face of evil. He plays the devil. Um, and I feel it like Bond kind of falls into that for me. Like, and The Boys, that the show that we're going to talk about in our next episode, has a lot of characters who are not likable, but that's a very... 
uh, spoiler alert, watchable show. Yep, definitely. That's a lot of theater, too. Um, if you go to a show and you see a villain and you hate the villain and you just hate everything about this villain, then they're not acting properly. There should be something human about this character. You should be able to connect with every character, even the villain, on some level. Um you got to understand why they're doing something, even if you don't understand why they're doing it. That's why a serial killer like Hannibal Lecter is such an interesting character. Or, you know, a, in American Psycho or in like, um, what was that movie? Oh, come on. <laughs> the one in the hotel with Norman. Psycho. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, these are human characters. Or when you read Lolita and Humbert Humbert, who is a pedophile and of the worst kind, and you have to read about his disgusting thoughts on the inside, you still understand how he gets there when you read the story about how he fell in love when he was a child and how they were brutally ripped apart and how he never got over it. You understand Humbert Humbert and why he couldn't get out of that cycle looking for that um, little girl and every other little girl. So, And that book is so funny because he's so demented and like you know he's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. 100%. He is not. <laughs> but uh, but you, you can still read the book. I mean you don't want to and most people don't want to admit that they have but – it's a good book, and the reason why is because you can see the humanity in Humbert. Humbert. Well, speaking of of kind of complicated sets of humanity and things like that, Batwoman. You know that trailer. I, that I, trailer is is um, you know. So speaking, of, and I'm bringing this up because the uh, the idea of pandering. Keith brought this to our attention not too long ago. And I thought it was really interesting um, when I finally watched it because that is the marketing for this show is literally pandering. And I don't even mean that like in a like in some sort of negative connotation. However, it is very much like this is a show for women. They over and over and over have several different um, moments cut out from that trailer and written in the script to literally say things like this will fit better on a woman and like the trailers to splice up stuff like it's a, it's a hero for here, but then it'll change, take off the E and be like her. It is leaning way into, you know, um, the fact that this character, um, Kate is going to become bad woman. Well, well it is taking on the, the bat moniker. Batman has not been present for some years and she's a lesbian and she's a badass and she don't give a damn about no rules and she's gonna do what it do and she's gonna come in there and gonna make sure that people know she's a woman and not mistake her for batman she does not want people taking you know uh, or mistaking that a man is doing a job that a woman's doing i don't want to actually see it as pandering i think it's kind of brand differentiation it's like you're used to batman 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 here's all the stuff that's different about the story you're familiar with it's like they want to say here's the stuff that you know here's gotham here's the bat suit but here's what's totally new and a totally different take on it 
and I'm kind of biased because I really like the Batwoman comic. Um, and I think, what's the actress's name who plays Batwoman? Oh, uh, Ruby Rose. I think Ruby Rose is really good. And I like the look of it. Greg Berlanti, who's making the show, has a really good track record. So I'm going to give Batwoman a chance. Um, so, so, but, but I guess, let me ask this question. See, when I said pandering, see, you, you've seen like you're resistant to it. And I know you, you've read some of the books. And in the books, though, they made sure to make sure it was not really based around Batman. Well, she- I think that trailer was just to help people who aren't familiar with the Batwoman comic books or franchise and get give them some kind of connection some kind of thread to hold on to not just that they're coming up with batwoman out of nowhere because there might be people who don't know that there is a batwoman comic and also i think that any comic book anything is pandering because it's pandering to all comic book nerds so it doesn't have anything to do with her being a woman anything that has to do with any comic book franchise is pandering. We have to shut the podcast down right now. I completely object. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, Black Lightning is definitely pandering. That's yeah. super pandering. Yeah. And I don't. And again, I like Black Lightning. That's my show. But I'm just I, super I, pandering. Yeah, super pandering show. But it's awesome. No, I love Black Lightning. But like you know, I, I think it's okay to say that it's pandering to Black culture in many different ways. I don't know, Keith. What did you think of um, Batwoman and how did that trailer? Like, how did it work for you? Um, this is my thing. I always feel like you can, you can always, you can make a story or a movie or a book or anything with a strong, powerful female lead. Without, and and I guess we throwing the word pandering around a lot, but without kind of downplaying the male counterpart of the character, you know. For example, like is all, all the stuff that you mentioned was was already very cringeworthy to me. But I think the thing when she said um, they think that I'm him, meaning you know they thought that she was Batman when she was pretty much wearing his outfit kicking people ass and he she said i don't want a man to take credit for a woman's work like it's just back to back to back to back you know what i'm saying she can't just be a character without trying to show like oh look at me oh um girl power men suck type of thing and then to even make that statement was kind of stupid to begin with because you dressed up like batman you talking about bad talking about taking the a, a man taking a woman's work, but you dressed up just like him. Oh, whoa, 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 Hold up. She didn't know, just have a bat suit laying around in the closet, y'all. She had to go uh, and take his and modify it for her own thing. Right, Miles right. had to come up with his own thing, and he wore a Spider-Man Halloween costume. I'm just saying. No, like, but, but, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. First okay. off, Miles was bit by a radioactive spider, so therefore... <laughs> Spider-Man. He earned it. And she's the Spider-Man cousin of a billionaire. Like, yeah, but, yeah but in I, the best, I don't, I don't want to mix up the, in the, the best tradition. Those are going to start getting the weird things. In the best tradition of the Bat Universe, she inherited her mantle from someone else and went to town with it. I mean, that's the same thing Bruce well, Wayne she did. She kind of took it. She took she, it. That's it, true. So, so in normally, but that's Batman fashion. Batman yep. took Gotham City. And became Batman because yeah. he had a lot of money. In Amen. most comic book canon, Batwoman comes up because Bruce, in one way or another, assists that 
that ability for her to do it. Like he's present for it. Now in this case, he's not present for it. Somehow she knows to kind of mess around with his stuff. Now I don't think she knew he was Batman, or at least the trailer doesn't seem to suggest that. Um but I mean, honestly, it's hard to judge what the show's doing until you see it. Like I remember when we saw the Titans trailer, we were like, this show, what the <laughs> hell is going on? And he's like, you know, fuck Batman. And we were like, okay, that's okay. It's this this might not be great. Turned out to be a pretty decent show. Had some flaws, but like really into it. We saw, I remember the um the trailer for uh, Doom Patrol, and we were like, "This will be weird." And then the show is like something totally different than we ever expected, and like it's getting rave reviews all over the place right now. So I think it's really hard to judge a show just off a trailer. Um, but they did really weigh heavy in on like what they want the show to be about. I mean, when you do tease the trailers, like you're you're really trying to implant the atmosphere of the show and what people are supposed to expect. And they did lean heavily into um, Kate's identity, which I think is fine. Um, but it is weird that, as Keith said, it felt like they felt the need to downplay Batman to build her up, which it seemed unnecessary. But again, it depends on how they handle it. Like, I'm open to seeing how things work until, like, like I, I just want to view it myself and, you know, and not just judge it purely on you know, kind of preliminary footage and things that they might not even cut it the same, you know, there's all kinds of things. But the costume itself for Batwoman, fire, complete fire. It was great. I mean, I feel like they literally made a trailer just, it's like a man repellent to the show or something. Like, <laughs> a man repellent. I'm just saying, like, man makes the whole trailer just for like one or a couple of group of people. And just be like, well, if you do like Batman, you're probably not going to like this shit because we're going to talk bad about Batman throughout the whole trailer. Well, and in fairness, I, though, this is my whole- thing. Like you, you, I don't understand how you take a person's symbol and then low-key talk shit about them. That's why I don't <laughs> Because she's a woman who has to be handed a career by a man. Don't you, as a black man, know what it's like to be handed a career by a white man and have to feel some kind of way about it? Be grateful, but also feel like, damn. Not totally. Not really. (laughs) That's a woman thing. That's a black woman thing, too. That's like, you know what that's like? That's like um, Captain America. He gave the mantle to um, to, to Falcon, Falcon, Captain America. And then he turned around and he like, you know what? I'm a better, more cooler version of Captain America. I make this shit look good. That shit lame as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's all I'm saying. Like, and also, I think I think people should have their own superheroes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel own. like you're proving my point here. Like, but 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 she she came and took it. Didn't nobody tell her. Of course, <laughs> nobody said because hey, she's a woman. Know. She had to. She could have been something else. She has to work she twice as hard as yeah. Batman. She only gets paid 67 cents on whatever Batman is making. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> um, I, I have a question. I'm trying to formulate it the right way, and I don't want to make this sound bad, because like we all agree we like representation. We think that there should be more strong roles for women, and there should be more strong roles for African Americans. We think there have been... It's not right that it's been well, so disproportionate. For everybody, not just African Americans. I mean, yeah, he, he, he's yeah. the one I knew. Yeah. yeah, but we think that it's wrong that for a long time every superhero was a white male. 
So I guess the question is, do we think it's pandering? Do we think that Hollywood is doing these new takes on 007 and new takes on Bat something and new takes on um, all these different heroes because it's the right thing to do? Or do we think it's pandering? Or is that too so much of a generalization? Let, let me let me let me uh, do another big up one more time to Spider-Verse, because Spider-Verse was a great example of how you. You can allow a similar brand or IP or whatever the hell, you, however you want to frame it, right? There are so many Spider-Man in that movie. And they all feel like even hell, you know, there are many Peter Parker's there and they all feel distinct. There are ways to do it. It's not it. Look, it takes some effort. Right. But there are ways to do these things where they don't feel ridiculous. And just because it's pandering doesn't mean that it's. It's in some way disrespectful or without care or without real, you know, like with, with intent to like really grow the the fable of whatever franchise we're speaking to. And so I think for me, the real thing isn't just a question about diversity, but like, how do you execute once you bring in that diversity? You know, I mean, it, it really matters how you do it. And I mean, because our son is two and is obsessed with Spider-Man, we have seen Spider-Verse hundreds of times now. Mm. And every time we see that movie, we we notice a new Easter egg. We notice some new thing between Miles and his parents. We notice, you know, the way that he interacts with his uncle Aaron. We like it's just all these subtle itty bitty things that come out in ways that are, you know, they're not always readily apparent. And, you know, every show is not going to have that level of execution, that level of talent, that level of care. But the whole thing is, you know, representation doesn't have to feel like, like you can exit. Cause the thing is the show doesn't go like, look at miles. I'm black. Like he's always like, I'm black. I'm Hispanic. I'm this, I'm that. Like, it's just like, he, it is who he is. He's just living it. Like he doesn't have to say, I don't live by the rules. He just goes and does shit where he's not living by the rules. He's putting stickers everywhere. His dad catches him. Oh, shit. Didn't mean to get caught. He's skipping class. He's he's not staying in school all the time. Like his actions and, and the people around him and the way it's written and the characters that that rich world build that characterization. He doesn't always have to state it. It's a lot of showing rather than telling. And that's about, you know, carefully crafting your world and writing it in such a way where these things speak for themselves without you having to always state the obvious. And I think that sort of care and the people behind the scenes crafting these different stories that are going to be the ones who help determine whether that pandering seems belittling or whether it seems like something that can elevate, you know, something that we knew and, and take it to a different place that we can still appreciate and maybe even like appreciate more after we've seen it. I think it's also a great, like, Peter Pan coming-of-age story. It's, like, dual purpose is I'll never grow up because I'm donning this super suit and I'm going to save the city and I'm cutting class and, you know, I can't pay my bills, but <laughs> I don't want to have kids, but 
at least I'm saving the city. And then at the end, they're sort of growing up into a more, like only one of them really grows up and it's Peter Parker at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, I mean, the special circumstances of, you know, being able to do multiverse stuff allows some really cool things. But you can you can do those sorts of things with characters, even without them always being present. You know, and I, I just for me, pandering is not always a bad thing. It's always about how you execute things once you decide to to take that path. I don't know, but but then I think I think I got def, different definition of what I might consider to be pandering, right? Like I only seen the first season of Black Lightning, and I don't necessarily. I guess you could say it panders to a black audience to a certain extent, but it's a black show, though. You know, so it's kind of like well, see, but see, calling some a black show, you know, yeah, that that just well, 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 like, does thing, it have too. does it have black writers and black producers, or are they white people who are trying to like get across to a black audience? This is a great question. I don't know the answer to it. That I don't know. So, which would entail something different, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that it never... I don't... I guess when I was watching Black Lightning, I never had a feeling like they were just having people act a certain way just to, um, I don't know, just to show off and just to attract a particular audience or whatever. Well, that's because the the show is very much centered in a neighborhood this black, though. Exactly. and, exactly. and the people don't always speak one particular kind of way. And when they do speak a way that might be considered, so to speak, more hood, it's it's not meant to be demeaning or to mean like they have less intelligence yeah. or they're just all dangerous or something like that. It's a black director. Yeah, yeah. So that's the point that I'm trying to make is that the characters just act how they would act in that particular neighborhood. But but I think to me, pandering would be like if you have. I don't know, like. A, a cast of people that's normally like, like, like uh, a group of people that's normally superheroes that's generally white, and then you just make a character black or change the gender of a character, and then it's like, it's not, it's noticeable that they're different. Like they even, they even act different than the no, their normal ca- counterpart. Like if they black, they try to, I don't know, try to act cooler than normal or some shit. You know what I'm saying? And like, it'd be like if, if Thor was walking through the hood being like, what's up, yo? Well, it's like when you read the early the early appearances of the Falcon in Captain America in like the 70s that are written by white people. And there's a lot of slang where it's just it just kind of hits your ear like very jarringly because it's yeah. just it's just like they tried. And that's, I guess, good. It's but like, like if you he's look at how they with tried, Luke Cage in Harlem. But if like if you look at the early Marvel superheroes, it's like who are the black characters? One is a black prince from Africa. One is a black social worker who lives in Harlem and is Captain America's sidekick. Mm. It's like they're they're the character is so much like they just took like some sort of stereotypical things about black people and just made that like the whole character. And it's like well, it isn't like it isn't like also the Falcon enjoys, you know, um, Italian cinema and really likes um, playing Frisbee with his friends, like something that could be any race, any person, any gender, whatever. Right. It's like all He'd of his probably traits, like film noir. <laughs> all of his <laughs> traits are like very stereotypical 70s, like black exploitation traits. 
So look, I feel terrible because I can't recall his name right now. Uh, the 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 um, director for Fruitvale Station, uh, Black Cooper. Panther. Thank you. So he okay. So imagine a situation where you had a white director sitting with the material for Black Panther, and he goes, "You know what? I could call him Mbaku, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep Ape Man." Like, ah, oh, <laughs> shit. That movie doesn't make a billion dollars. I'm saying just off of that alone. <laughs> Unless it's, unless it's Quentin man. Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino's like, I can get away with this. No one knows why. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino loves the N-word, man. Yeah, he's the one director who's going to go like, let's stick with Ape Man. Yeah, yeah. He get away with more racist shit than racist shit. <laughs> he wouldn't just call him Ape Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, yep. So I think that's a good place to close. So... Um, if By you the way, I, I, wait, I, lo- I want to clarify. I love Quentin. Like, I'm not. Me too. Like, yeah. No, no, no. I love Quentin Tarantino. Thank you for Django, art. Quentin. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I have questions. But uh, <laughs> he's from Knoxville, so it's all good, I guess. Um, so uh, if you enjoyed this episode, thank you for making it this far. Please recommend it to a friend. That means a lot to us. Follow us on Instagram. Keith, what's the what's the exact Instagram name? Uh, low key pod. Okay, just want to make sure if I uh, said that incorrectly. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Also, uh, there's another podcast that you'd be really into called Shoot This Now. Oh, that shucks. Tim Malloy takes care of along with his lovely wife, where they talk about real life stories that could be turned into movies. I'm almost certain the latest one was about the 30th anniversary of. Do the right thing. Is that right? It features Dart Adams, host of the Dart Against Humanity podcast, another podcast you might want to check out. So many podcast recos uh, yeah. about his article for OK Player about how the song Fight the Power um, saved Public Enemy and almost ruined the movie Do the Right Thing. I learned so much in that podcast. It was excellent. Me too. Really, really good. He was an awesome guest. Um, in the next episode, so we don't always know what we're doing next, but uh, in this case, we know for the next one, we'll be talking about The Boys, Amazon's upcoming show. Uh, we are, I think all of us have already checked out some of it. It's it's super interesting, the source material, so I can't wait to discuss it in more detail. So before we close, Sarah, you got anything you want to add? Thank you for joining, by the way. Uh, thank you for having me, team. I would love to say a special shout out to all you other kinds of pandering people out there. Uh, anime pandering, uh, <laughs> Korean drama pandering, um, all kinds of uh, pandering, panda pandering. And uh, that's all for me, folks. Are you guys replacing Perfect. me with Sarah? I get it. I understand. But this isn't <laughs> the way to do it. You should have just told me. Just the text. How many times we said pandering in this one episode, though? I mean, it's very intentional. I I hope we've we've gotten somebody upset. Dare I say, it might be pandering. (laughs) 